Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Father, now as we come to the pages of Scripture, these words of Jesus, this this moment in the life of Jesus that we'll read today, would you make this, these ancient words new to us? This familiar story, would you make it to us something that we can uh, we can learn from today? Would you teach us, teach us a little bit more about who you are? Teach us a little bit more about how to love better, how to be your people. We invite you to, to move in our lives, our hands, our feet, to move in our heads, our thoughts, our way of thinking, our philosophies. We, we invite you to move in this room today. Would you do just that at this time in the name of Jesus? You can be seated. Once again, I welcome you to Faith Christian. So thrilled we get to have this time uh, together each Sunday morning to, to share together. I want to mention a couple things just by way of announcement. Uh, Kara wanted me to remind you parents of elementary age kids or your faith kids group. Uh, next Sunday uh, is pajama day down in junior church, so be sure that your kids come prepared for that next Sunday morning well, for P- P- PJ day. I, if you grown-ups want to do that, that's weird. Yeah, it's just weird. We'll just leave it at that. That's just weird. All right, so that's for the kids uh, next Sunday. I also want to invite you uh, next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Um, uh, our music team, our worship team, Andy and some of these musicians, have been invited to participate in a community worship service that will happen next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock at the Branch Church. That's downtown, or kind of right next door to the Quaker. And so uh, if, if you are available next Sunday night, love to see you there at 6 o'clock next Sunday as Andy and some of our musicians are participating in that uh, community worship time uh, next Sunday night. Uh, I moved to Ohio about 17 years ago, almost 17 years ago, which that in itself is a whole other story. We'll talk about that another day. Um, But one of the things that that Megan and I both commented on when we were um, deciding whether or not to move from Florida, you know, we lived at the beach, that was cool, uh, to, to Ohio, also cool, right? And so we're making this decision, but one of the things we said was we're really looking forward to the change of season. You know, all four, you get all four seasons here in Ohio, and, and in Florida, you get like one. You know, it's summer all the time, which, you know, that's again at the beach, that's pretty cool. But we, we're excited about the, seeing the change of season, and we've even uh, experienced that here the last couple of days. We've, we've got our first taste of spring, and so this, this change of season. Well, it wasn't much until uh, much after we moved here when I said something again. I said, I'm looking forward to, you know, we, got, we moved here late summer, looking forward to fall and winter and the change of seasons. And some smart aleck that goes to this church, um, I won't tell you who it was but he said to me change of seasons are you kidding you just moved to ohio there's only two seasons in ohio i'm like no 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 there's four there's summer and fall and winter and spring no 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 there's two seasons in ohio i said all right what are the two seasons in ohio he said winter and road construction i thought that's a pretty good joke i wonder well why is that why is there only winter and road construction well let me fast forward to just a couple of weeks ago as I am contemplating this sermon series that we're going to be in between now and Easter Resurrection Sunday, these next six weeks together, as we look at the life of Jesus, the last week of the life of Jesus, and some of these events, key events that happened in his life. And as I'm looking through this and thinking about this, I'm driving back here to the church building one day after I'd eaten my lunch. 
And I'm coming up the little here, here by the, the, the Dollar General, just, just past that, coming out of town, coming up Route 39, and my car hits the biggest pothole you've ever, you would thought a missile had left this pothole in the side of the road. It jolted me. It was such a huge, deep pothole. I wonder it didn't do some real damage to my car. And I remembered when I hit that pothole, winter and road construction potholes those things in the road that we have to avoid those obstacles that we have to avoid to keep from doing some real damage to our vehicles well we're beginning this sermon series today i'm calling it potholes for that very reason because there are some obstacles there are some traps along the road of life that if we're not careful we will we will fall into and they can do some real damage to our lives here's how we're going to kind of get there as we walk through the last week of Jesus's life together over these next six weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be journeying with Jesus, taking a journey with Jesus down this road that's going to lead not only to a cross, but to an empty tomb. And we're going to see on this journey with Jesus that Jesus had some potholes that he had to avoid. There were some traps. There were some temptations. There were some key moments that could have really derailed this whole thing that Jesus was on a mission to do. They could have really done some damage to, to your and I's salvation if Jesus hadn't gone on this road all the way to the cross. And here's what I think. I think that some of these potholes that Jesus had to avoid, that they're the same potholes that can get in your and I's life as well. And if we can learn to avoid these potholes like Jesus does, if we can learn to avoid these traps, these obstacles in our road, we'll go a long way before we do some serious damage to our lives. So let's take this journey with Jesus. If you've got a Bible with you this morning, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 21 in just a minute. You can open up your Bible, follow along with me. It'll be on the screen as well. We begin this journey with Jesus outside of the city of Jerusalem. Now, inside of the city of Jerusalem, you kind of need to know what's going on when we pick up the story. Inside of the city of Jerusalem, it is busy it is the busiest time of year in jerusalem because it's festival time the people in the city of jerusalem are preparing to celebrate the the highest holiest of days in the on the jewish calendar passover it was this holiday where they remembered what god had done how god had delivered his people way back in egypt from slavery and how god had passed over so there's this celebration this festival that the jewish people they still do this today participate in um, every spring called passover and so all the people in the city of jerusalem are preparing for passover but not only that people from all over the region all over the area have made this pilgrimage this journey to the city of jerusalem to celebrate passover this is a big 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 deal and it is busy and it's crowded and there's lots and lots of people and there's traffic jams and there's lines at the grocery store it's just it's just chaos because of the crowds think i don't know if you've ever been into to a u.s city when that city has the week that that city has been hosting the super bowl it's nuts it's insane traffic is rerouted there's stuff going on everywhere that's kind of what's going on in city maybe think about it like this you ever been to Walmart on Black Friday? That's the picture here. This is the season of brotherly shove, all right? And that's where we are inside the city of Jerusalem. It's excitement. There, there's all this energy building, this anticipation about this huge, important holiday that's about to happen. But added to that, there's an additional buzz this particular year because there started to be a rumor going throughout the city of Jerusalem that this guy named Jesus from way up the road in Nazareth 
is going to be in the city this year for Passover. And so there's this excitement about this, this rabbi that they've heard about, this miracle worker. There's rumors that he's healed people from the sick, that he's healed the blind. There's even a rumor that started to infiltrate through the city at, at this moment that just recently he had raised a man from the dead. The guy's name was Lazarus, just up the road in a little town called Bethany. Jesus has just raised Lazarus. So that's all going on. Adding to the excitement of Passover is there's this, this buzz that Jesus, this great miracle worker, teacher, rabbi, is coming to the city. Everybody's excited to see him. Let's pick up the story as Matthew tells it in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Let me just set some geography for you. They're on a mountaintop. There's a little village called Bethpage. From the mountain from the Mount of Olives, and you can travel to Israel, and you can stand in this place, you can see this happen. There's this view across what's called the Kidron Valley, and across the Kidron Valley is the city of Jerusalem. So where Jesus is standing with the disciples outside of the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, he has this gorgeous, like a, like a vista overlook, if you've ever been to a national park, beautiful view of the valley, nice, lush, fertile valley below, and the city of Jerusalem. He can see the temple, he can see the walls around the city, all the buildings of the city, and he can see all the people coming into the city, milling about the city, all this excitement about the city. Now, here outside of Bethpage, Jesus is about to give some very specific instructions to his disciples. And at first read, I'm going to be honest with you, this seems a little silly. This seems like, what are we doing here? Well, I'm just so you know before we read it, this is a very specific fulfillment of prophecy. Look at verse 2. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you were doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. Somehow, the donkey owner seems to know that the Lord is supposed to have that. It's kind of a unique situation. I mean, for instance, if I sent you over this afternoon, sent you over to Chuck Nicholson's, and I told you to tell them, go get the, 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 the brand new black Yukon Denali, black, please, black, the black one, and just tell Chuck Nicholson, it's okay, Larry needs it. You're not going to get very far, are you? That's not going to do you a bit of good over there. Obviously, this is very different with Jesus. Verse 6. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Now, you just need to know this. Several hundred years before this moment, back in the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah predicts that this will happen. Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah would enter the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Seems like a rather strange way to enter. You expect it to be a war horse, a big mighty white stallion. That, we'll get that picture in Revelation later. We'll talk about that another day. But Jesus actually in this moment is not only fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah, but he's also, also fulfilling what the Hebrew scriptures say in Deuteronomy, in Isaiah, and in the Psalms. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Get the picture? So Jesus is in the middle of this parade. 
And he, as he approaches the city, all these people are running out to greet him, and there's cheering, and there's excitement. They're excited to be around him, and as a way to honor him, they are laying their coats and their cloaks down on the road for the donkey to walk on. They're putting them on the donkey for him to sit on. They're taking these palm branches. They're waving it. It's all a way to honor the Lord as he's coming into the city. People are gathering. There's this excitement. There's screaming, there's yelling, there's cheering, there's applauding, and they are so excited to see Jesus. The applause of everyone, everyone is all around him. Verse 9, Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowd replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. As Jesus enters the city, they're not only waving palm branches, they're not only laying down their garments, but they are shouting out this phrase. In Hebrew, the phrase is Yeshua HaMashiach. Yeshua HaMashiach, which means salvation the messiah the lord who saves has come and as they are shouting this out the lord who saves the messiah who saves has come as they're shouting this out they are recounting from the book of psalms some psalms that would have been read during the passover celebration psalm 113 through psalm 18 where it says blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and they are referring to Jesus as the Messiah. And they are, all, are applauding for him. They are cheering for him. And they are thinking that he has come, the Messiah has come to save us from Rome. He's here to give us back our land. He's here to give us back our dignity. The Hebrew people have been, 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 under the, uh, uh, have been subject to Rome for decades at this point, and they hate it. They want to kick Rome out. They want Rome to go. So they think that Jesus is there to kick Rome out for them, that's, that that's what the Messiah is going to do. But once again, we're going to see that Jesus doesn't really give a rip about politics or governments. He's there to do something much, much more important. And this moment becomes so overwhelming for Jesus. He, he's overtaken by emotion. Look how Luke tells this part of the story. Let me show you Luke 19, same story. Luke says it like this. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. I think Jesus began to weep because Jesus knew the horrible destruction and devastation that the city of Jerusalem was going to have to endure over the next couple of decades at the hands of Rome. I think Jesus began to weep because he knew that so many of them, this huge crowd around him, even his closest friends and followers, his disciples, that, that, that they just didn't quite get it yet. They didn't truly understand why he was there. And I think he began to weep because I think Jesus knew something that we all need to learn. And that is that the applause, the applause only lasts for a moment. You see, these same people that on this Palm Sunday are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These same people waving the palm branches and laying their coats on the road in front of the donkey. The same crowd that's cheering and applauding. This is the same crowd that just a few days later will be cheering, crucify him. Crucify him. 
trying to convince the governor Pilate to send him to a cross. Applause is a funny thing, isn't it? It's fleeting. It doesn't last. I mean, it's really invigorating to hear it. But it can also be incredibly distracting, kind of like things falling in the sound booth. You right, Lawrence? <laughs> the applause can be incredibly distracting. It can get you off your mission. Th- think about it just for a minute. Not even just like applause. Think about just like social media. You post something on social media, and what do you do? You sit and you wait for the likes to start coming in. Ooh, somebody liked it. Somebody liked it. And it's invigorating. It's intoxicating. You, you wait for the, someone to snap you back. It's, it's, it's almost intoxicating, that feeling, that, that invigoration when somebody likes what you did or applauds what you did. Applause, applause can be one of those potholes that's so good, but it can take us down the wrong path because it can distract us and get us away from what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus had to face this. This is not the only moment he had to face this. Here he is, triumphantly coming into the city. Everybody's cheering. Everybody's got a uh, screaming. You are the king. You are the Messiah. They are praising him. This has got to be a thrilling moment for Jesus. But this isn't the first time he had to deal with this. Jesus uh, always had people coming up to him with another plan, another way to accomplish what they thought was his goal. We talked about this in our last series when we went through the book of Mark. People are all coming to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, this miracle thing's pretty good. This healing thing's good. We could take this on the road. We could make buckets full of cash. We, we could profit from this. Jesus, you're so good at this. You're, you're, you're so charismatic. We could get you elected. You could run for office. You could make some real change. Jesus, we could kick out Rome. You're the one. We, we could get rid of Rome and we could overtake the whole of the Roman Empire. I think the temptation for a lot of us is to think that, <clears throat> that sometimes as long as we get to the right place, that it's okay to kind of cheat and take the shortcut to get there. Jesus has to wrestle with this. Jesus has all these voices in his ear telling him a different way to accomplish what it is that he's there to do. Maybe you know what that's like. Maybe you've wrestled with that in your life a little bit. You've, you've got these these voices in your ear, these voices in your head telling you what you need to do or who you need to be or what you need to think or what it is that you're supposed to pursue. Maybe some of you are thinking about college right now or a job change or or a career change. And everybody you know, they're weighing in. They've got an opinion on what it is that you're supposed to do or, or who it is you're supposed to be. Maybe for you it's more of a spiritual issue. Maybe there's, there's nothing about church or following Jesus that you want to have any part of. But you've got family members or parents saying, that's, that's not the way we do things in our family. That, that, that's not who we are. We believe differently. We do differently than that. Or maybe you're on the other side of the coin. And you want with your whole heart, you want to follow Jesus. You want to be obedient to Jesus. You want to have a faith pattern. You want to be a part of a local church. But there are voices in your ear, voices in your head going, why would you do that? Why would you waste a Sunday morning? Why would you give to that? That's ridiculous. That's stupid. Why would you believe that? Stop that. You're wasting your time with that. For many of us, on the road that we take, our journey of life, for many of us, the biggest pothole that we face 
is the applause, or, or, or let me say it like this, the opinions of other people. I love this quote. To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight. And that's, that's where we see Jesus. Walking down this road from the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley into the city, he was on a mission to save humanity. But every voice in his ear is telling him to do it a different way. We often think that the distraction of the crowds is really more about, um, well, at least what in, in my generation, what we call peer pressure. Somebody trying to, to distract you, that the peer pressure. We were raised with our parents telling us, don't just do what the crowd does. Go against the flow, go against the green. Maybe your mama said to you the same thing my mama said to me. If all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do it? <laughs> Well, no, Mom, of course I wouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. But that's the, that's the thing about applause that makes it a little bit finicky. Because sometimes it, it's not that the applause, the opinion of the crowd is not to do the wrong thing. Sometimes it's to do a good thing, but it may not always be the right thing. In fact, the, I, I think the problem is just because something's not a wrong choice, doesn't mean it's the best choice. Overthrowing Rome in this first century context in Matthew 21, when Jesus, at this moment in history, when Jesus is riding into the city, overthrowing Rome seemed like a really, really good idea in the eyes of every person in that crowd. Matter of fact, it might have even been a good idea to Jesus. He had seen, he had seen the devastation that God's people had suffered at the hands of Rome. He had seen the abuse. He may have even thought it was a good idea, but he knew it wasn't the best. He knew he had a bigger mission, a bigger purpose at hand. And you and I can often be so distracted by all the other voices, just kind of weighing things up. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it right? Is it wrong? Maybe the better question is this. Is it the wise thing to do? And Jesus knew that the most important voice to listen to was not in the crowd, not even his closest friends. The most important voice to listen to was his heavenly father. Oftentimes, our struggle is just trying to keep everybody else happy. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this. I, I struggle with trying to keep my family happy, my wife and my two, two girls I struggle trying to keep them happy. And let me tell you, they have some opinions. I struggle trying to keep our church staff happy. And they have opinions. I struggle trying to keep the couple of hundred people that, that call Faith Christian home happy. And you all have opinions. And then I have friends and colleagues who are leading churches in other places and they're doing things a different way and they have opinions. And I've got peers and other pastors and mentors and everybody, everybody seems to have an opinion. And it's a struggle to try to keep everybody happy. And I know you live with that as well. And you wonder, who am I supposed to listen to? Well, I think that Jesus gives us a principle here that we all need to learn. It teaches a principle for us to avoid this pothole. And the principle is this. Live for an audience of one. 
live for an audience of one and guess what (laughs) you're not that one and your spouse isn't even that one and your kids aren't that one and your friends aren't that one and your customers aren't that one the audience of one is your heavenly father Jesus models for us as he comes into the city what it is to have a singular focus as he walks down this road. This is a challenge Jesus faces his entire life, but specifically on this road. This entire week he's going to face this. And this is a challenge that you and I have to face our entire lives as well. Who are you going to listen to? I love what Proverbs says about this. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Let me show you that same verse in a different translation. This is from the message. I love the way that they do this. It says, the fear of human opinion disables. You've felt that before, haven't you? The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. Someone someone once told me that flattery is a little bit like chewing gum. You can chew chew on it for a while, just don't swallow it. And maybe that's kind of where you are. You've got all these opinions in your own mind. You've got all these different voices in your ear. And you're trying to figure out, who do I make happy? Who do I listen to? Who do I keep happy? Guess what? Guess what? You have already made your heavenly Father happy. He is already impressed with you. So now you get to live in His loving gaze live for that audience of one and you're not that one and I'm not that one and no one else in your inner circle is that one only your heavenly father I was thinking about this this weekend Um, some of you know my wife um, teaches choir at one of our local high schools and every now and then, um, her choir goes somewhere besides their, their high school to perform. Uh, this winter, they went up and sang the national anthem at a hockey game up in Cleveland. This Friday, they went up to a con- uh, contest uh, up in Lake at Lake High School. And so anytime this happens, um, they have to travel to these events that they're singing at. Um, they ride on the school bus. They don't let me ride on the school bus. There's probably good reasons for that. I don't get to ride. So I have to follow the bus to get where we're going. So this happened just this past Friday night. And so I meet at school, and I'm excited. I want to go hear the choir, support my wife. And so we get in this kind of caravan of traffic, and we leave this high school. We begin heading north up 77, and for the next hour, my view consists of the back of a yellow school bus. And let me tell you, this guy was slow. 50 miles an hour up I-77. That should be illegal. It was awful. It was so boring. I got so frustrated because all I could see for an hour was the back of this yellow school bus. I could kind of see some stuff beside me. I couldn't see what traffic was doing in front of me. I had no view except for the back of this yellow school bus. And for about an hour, I'm, I'm in my car, driving way too slow on the interstate, getting frustrated, getting agitated, and following this school bus. And then it finally dawned on me. I don't have to have Google Maps open right now. All I have to do right now is follow this bus. I don't have to think about exits. I don't think about changing lanes. If the bus changes lane, I change lanes. The bus, bus gets off the exit, I get off the exit. I don't have to figure out where to park. I don't figure out how to get to this weird school in the middle of nowhere. I don't figure that out. All I have to do is keep staying right behind the bus that's right in front of me. The only thing I had to focus on, the only thing I had to think about was what was right in front of me, who I was following. 
hope you understand that parable. So let me ask you. As we begin this journey with Jesus to the cross, to the empty tomb, let me ask you, as we try to avoid these potholes along the way, who is the loudest voice in your head right now? It might be you. It might just be you. Who is it that you're following? You know, maybe it's somebody that you're trying to please. But somebody that you're trying to please, somebody that's been dead and gone for a long time, but you're still trying to please them. Maybe for you, it's somebody you're trying to prove them wrong. They don't even know that they've offended you, but you're still trying to prove them wrong. So what if? What if you decide, as we begin this journey together for the next several weeks, what if you decide that as we journey down this road, I'm going to live for an audience of one? Let me pray for you. Those of you who are serving, go ahead and take your places. Get ready to serve communion to us at this time, please. Let's pray together. Father, as we start this journey as we begin to walk down this road with you, as we learn to avoid these potholes that are along the way, would you help us learn to trust you with every step? Oh, we, we get so antsy. We, we want to pass you by. We want to look on beyond you. Would we learn to just follow you? Would you teach us what is best? Would you teach us what is wise with every single step that we take? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite you to join me now in a time of communion. These trays are coming around. As the trays come around, take a stack of cups out and just hold on to those. One cup has the bread, one cup has the juice. Just hold on to those for a minute. You know, as I mentioned a minute ago, this journey for Jesus to the cross and to the empty tomb, the journey began, began there on the Mount of Olives with this beautiful view of the valley and of the city below. From this spot, Jesus would have been able to see Jerusalem. And we are reminded that as Jesus looked into the city of Jerusalem, he saw people, people who were living in the city of Jerusalem, people who were coming into the city to celebrate Passover. And Scripture tells us that as he saw these people from that mountaintop, as he saw these people, that he looked at them and he loved them. You see, it was the love for people that is going to compel Jesus to journey down this road this last week of his life. It's his love for people that's going to take him to the cross. It's his love for people and the power of God that's going to take him through the grave. It was Jesus' love for people that leads him down this road to Easter. When Jesus looked out from the Mount of Olives through the valley over to Jerusalem, he saw people that he loved deeply. But he didn't only see them. He saw you, too. Right where you are, right where you're sitting today, in a church building, on your couch, watching this online at home, Jesus saw you. He looked at you and his love for you took him to the cross. And then by the power of God, he was raised from the dead, breaking the power of sin, of death, of destruction once and for all. Making a way for you and for me to enter back into a relationship with the God who created us, 
the God who loves us. When Jesus got to Jerusalem, he celebrated Passover, this ancient feast with his closest friends. And it was during that Passover feast that Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he passed it to his close friends and he said to them, this bread represents my body which is going to be given for you. And then he took a cup and he said, this cup represents my blood which will be poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And he invited them, just like he still invites us, to take these elements and to remember and to celebrate the forgiveness and the love that God has for you and for me. The body and the blood of Christ for the people of Christ. Father, we thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins that was won for us on that cross. And Father, we thank you for your love for us, the love of Jesus that compelled him, that drew him to that cross to die for us. And God, we thank you for your power that three days later raised him from the dead, conquering, defeating once and for all sin and death and destruction. So Father, we leave from this place today in that power, with that power living and alive in us. And God, we leave this place today, we walk into our day and our week ahead with that same love, your love in us. God, would you demonstrate your love through us? through our hands, our feet, our words, would you demonstrate, would you show your love to this community, to Tuscarawas County, would you show your love to the people around us through us this week? God, teach us how to love better. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who is love. Amen.